Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is podcast. Podcast for lovers and dreamers and me. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for being here. I am uh, really excited to share this episode with you. It was another one that was recorded last week, or a week and a half ago, in Charleston, South Carolina. And it's with Henry Riggs and Mari Swarsa. They are of Nameless Numberhead, which is a sketch duo that they created, and they perform a lot at the at Theater 99 down in Charleston. They are fantastic people. I really love seeing them perform, and uh, I'm really lucky that I know them because they are really great, great people and performers. Uh, they are uh, another couple of those people that I say are they're my favorite people on stage and favorite people off stage because they are just that great. Uh, real quick, though, why don't you check out thereitispod.com for old blogs, and you can also check out old episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please subscribe and leave a review. I would love that if you would leave a review. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at thereitispod. Well, this is a really great episode. I, I really enjoyed having these kids uh, on the show. <laughs> And uh, at the end, I think we even had uh, uh, some live guests. And it was just the people who uh, were in last week's episode. (laughs) I don't even know if you really hear from them too much. But it's a really insightful, really fun interview. So why don't we just get right to it, folks? Here's my chat with Henry and Mari. Henry and Mari. And I looked at Mari and said Henry. And I looked at Henry and I said Mari. That's so great to have you both here. Thank you for having us. We're Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Very interchangeable. (laughs) We'll Uh, answer to anything. I'm very excited because we're down here for the Charleston Comedy Fest and we're having a great time. And unfortunately, I think we're performing when you were performing. Did you perform? Yeah, I think they did that on purpose. Yeah, they put all the good stuff together. In a cross town. (laughs) You have to choose. I'm glad that I saw you at the New South Comedy Festival because that was a really inspiring and fun show. Yeah, that was a blast. Yeah, Yeah, oh, totally. And and it was sometime before that that you all were in Greenville and you did a workshop with Mm -hmm. us. So Mm -hmm. uh, I really enjoyed you all a a lot as performers and people. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having us. Oh, gosh. I I was thrilled to get you on. Uh, So let's go a little back to uh, young... Or versions of yourselves, and I'll get you already pretty young, and uh, you know, get an idea of where you came from as far as performance is concerned. You have to go back to your second grade play, but uh, if uh, we'll start with that's where it starts. That is, it always starts in second grade. Yeah, but where did your training start? Uh, Official training was college. Mm -hmm. I had done um, sports all through high school, but knew that when I graduated, it was going to be theater and comedy. I just wasn't into high school theater, so I took it upon myself to do stand-up. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so my mom looked at a a community college's um, class list and saw it was actually just called Stand-Up Comedy 101. (laughs) <laughs> and I signed up, and I was... What in a, college was this? Uh, Northern Essex Community College. Wow. New England. I had so, never heard yeah. of a college having a, a stand-up Yeah. Uh, it was weird. Class. It was a That's weird crazy. class. Yeah, her college has a pretty cool comedy was, program. <laughs> <laughs> well, that jealous. was college college. This is when I was in high school. I was 16, and my mom was like, cut out the newspaper thing and was like, is this something you're interested in? And you did that. And was like... Yeah, That's I just awesome. got my license. I should drive myself <laughs> to a night class yeah, that is stand-up adults. comedy run by Dave Radigan, and there would there were four other dudes in the class, and one worked for OnStar, and they were all, like, over 50. It sounds like a Dickens tale. It was like insane. Radigan and I was the one thing. He'd be like, Mari, stand up and tell your jokes. I'd be like, well, I'm a high school senior. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. it was not on anyone else's level that I was like, okay. Right, yeah. 
Oh, that's funny though. How but, so? You were doing stand. How long did you stick with stand up? Probably just two years. Mm-hmm. I did stand up when I was in high school, junior and senior year, because that's all there was. So I would drive mm-hmm. myself to these like weird clubs around New Hampshire <laughs> and Massachusetts. And then once I got to college, I was a theater major and immediately knew I was never gonna get cast in anything and that I was bottom of the barrel theater kids and I didn't mm-hmm. know jack about anything and saw an improv show and like it exploded from there. Yeah. Like I went up to the guys taking tickets and I was like, are you having auditions? Mm-hmm. And they kind of give me a hard time. They're like, oh, you- do you think you're funny? You think you should come to this? And I was like, uh, yeah, I have to. <laughs> and so I got in. Like I. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, yeah. they let me into the long form troupe. Oh, cool! My first try, and then the next semester I had auditioned for the short form, and so improv was. My oh, that's life. interesting that you went uh, long form first. Yeah. Because a lot of places are short form first. Yeah. I would imagine, and a lot of people I talk to, they'll say, well, "I was doing short form first, and yeah. then they started doing long form." It just happened to be the show I saw first. That's cool. It was the one show that I went to, and I think the next week or something you saw a short were form. auditions. Yeah, <laughs> oh, and I was okay. like, "This is the one." Yeah, that's but like funny. having no idea what it was, went into an audition, and they're like, "We're gonna play a scene called Info Desk, and you need to f- have a reason to be here, like something you need from us." Like, didn't know yes and didn't know right. like what a character, like what a good idea would be. <laughs> How was that not having yes and ingrained in you? Uh, I mean, it was great. It was probably the most fun I've ever had, and I still think about it because I came in as a nerd with a python <laughs> with my arm in a python's mouth, saying I needed to return this thing, and that was my idea. Good, and yeah. So you didn't, you weren't. See, so well, you initiated, so you yeah, didn't have to worry so about. Yeah, uh, you had to come up with your them. thing. Yeah. And I remember specifically. I don't remember who was behind the desk, but someone else in the troop, a senior, Nate Crawford jumped out of his seat and tagged out the other dude so he could sit behind the desk and also play a nerd so that we could like match each other and like nerd out and like he would make me look super great oh that's great and i'll always remember that he did that because like not even knowing what he was doing now looking back i'm like oh that was really that was awesome (laughs) yeah so cool from the from the beginning (laughs) um but yeah just made improv my life Never did uh, a theater show once in college. I committed fully mm-hmm. to improv. And you, awesome. Henry, you were doing this very awesome. You were, uh, weren't you in Chicago at one point studying? I was. Was that where you started? Uh, no. Well, I was kind of full on theater for a long time. You could tell. I think the, when I first met you, I told you that. You could yeah. tell that you have a theater background. It was definitely a lot of theater training. Mm-hmm. I mean, like early on and then getting super into it in high school it was kind of like anything that I could do in the theater I was all over it and then college was kind of when that when the transition happened of just you know I, I liked theater but there was something kind of missing something kind of missing I guess and like when I started learning about improv it was through theater 99 mm-hmm. and I would start I saw this show recommended to me actually by a theater teacher who was like oh you should go see this show uh, Shakespeare abridged. Okay. The oh, I've Shakespeare seen that company, before. Yeah. These guys. Um, and so they basically take all the works of Shakespeare, condense it into a yeah, that's show. a fun play. I saw it in my college. Yeah, and it, I mean everybody does it now, but at that time it was relatively unknown. I went to go see uh, Greg and Timmy and this guy Stephen Shields do it, and kind of like, what is what is this all about? <laughs> this is kind of like theater, but it's like loose, and it seems right. like they're making this stuff up. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a completely scripted play, but since they had improv training, they it knew how felt, to deliver it that way. Yeah, yeah. it just felt like really that's the loose same structure. with Swingers. That's like the movie yeah, Swingers absolutely. because a couple of those guys, you know, Vince Vaughn, John Favreau, did improv first, and the, one of the things people say about that movie is that. They thought they were improvising the whole time, but it wasn't. Right. It's that they knew the characters really well, and they're improvising. And that's also <laughs> yeah. that's the actually the truest way to like perform and connect is yeah. It's just you know play a character and just kind of live as that character for a bit. But yeah, yeah. From that show, it was definitely like whoa, this is a world that I would love to know more about. So I sought out like improv shows and classes and sketch and kind of like just immersed in that world ultimately led me to Chicago and then and you were at IO there I was at IO um, I did 
like directing shows at Second City, mm-hmm. and then we did a show at Annoyance as well. Oh, okay, cool. So we're kind of all over there. Awesome. Were you? Where did you two meet? In Chicago. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you were, uh, you were at. Uh, I was at the Annoyance. At Annoyance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, but we were in a theater company that kind of merged the North and the South in Chicago. It was two guys. One was an alumni from my college, UMass Amherst, and one was an alumni from Henry School College of Charleston. Mm-hmm. They started a theater company in Chicago that devised original pieces through improv. Mm-hmm. And both of us have really similar stories about graduating college, going to Chicago, because that's where the alumni go, and you kind of feel like you have a base, and that's where you go to study comedy. Mm-hmm. And as soon as we show up there, somebody shakes our hand and goes, oh, I know who you are. You're in the next show. And Just both of us are like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, Henry had this experience exactly a year before me and was in the company, and I show up, and someone's like, oh, yeah, you're in the next show. <laughs> and I was like, what's the name of it? <laughs> like, just tell me that. They're like, yeah, it's not written. You're going to improvise. Yeah, I showed up to... I was working with a the theater company there and taking classes at I.O. Uh-huh. And it was like, hey, this this company, the New Colony, is doing this show. A bunch of, like, the CFC people I knew were going to see the show. I was like, yeah, I'll go check that out. I show up to the show. It's the very first show of this company. And I, I get there and... Like an old stage manager of mine from CFC was working the door. Uh-huh. She was like, "Oh, hey, Henry, what's up? Um, I'm told that your ticket is free tonight because you're in the next show." <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> like that's yeah. how I'm hearing that I'm cast in the show is that I get a free ticket to their first show. That's wild. It was crazy. That's be a lot of fun. And I was like, was awesome. super green in Chicago. Like uh-huh. I had just gotten up there, and and like the first two months were like <laughs> super rough. Where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> I mean, so broke. Oh, and, oh okay. And, like I spent all my money on improv class, yeah. and I'm living in a shoebox, like sharing a bedroom, like sharing a studio apartment with my best friend, and we're just both being like, "It's cold. This is terrible." And then you go to a show, and they're just like, you find the people that are like, "Yeah, you're yeah. you're here for a reason." Like, right. That's yeah. awesome, though. That's awesome, though. So yeah. it, it, it made you feel a little bit more Absolutely. grounded once you get... Well, from there, I mean, I feel like once you once you find a tribe... Right. You know, you can start connecting mm-hmm. that way. As opposed to if you're just going it on your own, you kind of have to find everything mm-hmm. on your own. And, and if you find a people that kind of support what you're doing and what you're into it's easier to make connections and so that's essentially how I started meeting everybody was through through that and then also yeah. through improv classes and then ultimately that's how Mario and I met was right. doing and then doing you felt like you had a new, another tribe a new tribe that you're be- new tribe beginning together called yeah, yeah. Nameless Number that's <laughs> right <laughs> a new tribe <laughs> uh, what was the experience like? Uh, what, what was the experience like of of meeting and then starting to perform together? Because you were, did you started your training, Mari, at Annoyance, mm-hmm. and then you were started your training at IO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, was What's it your, such a different perspective that it, they're different schools of thought? Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. the Annoyance is Mick Napier's baby, who mm-hmm. is the like take care of yourself, come on with a strong character, mm-hmm. like relationship mm-hmm. kind of philosophy. And IO is all about the form and the game and the group mind and the like making take other people of, look good. It's like take you care of have, them. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be fine. You'll look good when they look good. And then right. everyone else is like, no, come on like a strong kid. Fuck people. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Yeah. So how did you find that you had similar sensibilities to be able to perform together? I think our lives make us more similar. We're both the babies of the family. Uh-huh. Two older siblings and then a, a decent gap and then us. So I think we kind of grew up performing. Our parents are kind of like on the sillier side. Mm-hmm. Like kind of all grew up watching the same movies and kind of learning the setup of a joke or knowing what's funny right. before you actually really understand what it is. Yeah. That's, you know, that stand-up background probably helped you with that yeah so I think like we like physical gags we like um, like stuff that our dads would like unfortunately uh, not unfortunately 
I think I think we have a wide demographic of people who like it because it's not geared towards any one person. I think we just think mm-hmm. funny is funny. So that's funny. We're coming out of a show and it's a bunch of like moms being like, we loved it. We're like, great. That means my mom would love it. Like, and that that's excellent. I'm also thinking back to those first few times of performance because when we met, we weren't performing together. It was like mm-hmm. you were kind of assigned to the new shows that were coming out. And so we never got, we never did a new colony show together. We never did a show together. But what it happened wasn't until we stopped kind of performing with them that we we kind of leaned into each other because we've been dating kind of on and off and we're like um, came up with an idea for a show kind of in the new colony style of like we could improvise this and it was Henry and I in a coffee shop late night writing about mm-hmm. what if when you met someone when you had sex, you morphed into the same person. Uh-huh. Like, you would be way more picky about who you slept with. It would almost be like an irreversible marriage. Yeah, and okay. And so, like marriages, it would either work or it wouldn't. So, you you would be destined of like, oh, you chose the right person and your life is going to be good. Or your bodies would physically reject each other and you would explode. <laughs> so, like, this is the concept that we're coming up with. And I call my brother. Like, we're not even dating at that point. I call my brother and I was like, I met this guy. I was like, we came up with this great concept. I was like, we're going to write this show. And I told him exactly what I just explained. And my brother was like, you're never going to write that show. He's like, you two are into each other. And you're doing this weird thing about figuring out what the two of you feel about relationships and I was like no I was like you're wrong I was like this is gonna be a show that's so funny but I and, it, and then we it wrote only, it. it three years later I mean it only took us three, three years, years later we did write the show rehash that concept we did sit on it that's for a, a great concept time. I do I do really like that concept we wrote it as a musical and performed it at the annoyance when the new Annoyance opened. Yeah, the concept uh-huh. changed. It, it got a little watered down. I mean, it would have been awesome to to have done it full full fledged original idea, but well, the Netflix version can be. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, we're in pre production right now. We're the CISO version. Pre production. Robert Downey is attached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, this homeless guy we found yeah. named Robert Downey. Yeah. <laughs> right. not Robert Downey's not yeah. not a junior. Robert Downey III. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, no, I'm also just kind of thinking back to that time. There was like this, this flood of even before we were doing show concepts together. There was this kind of like culture in Chicago. These like underground shows started bubbling up, and um, so there was this place called For Rent, which was your buddies found this storefront mm-hmm. and just put up a curtain in this place and they had brokered a deal with the guy who ran the place. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. I want to I wanna rent this for, for actual money, but mm-hmm. it's not renting now, so as long <laughs> as I can keep a for rent sign in the window, you guys can perform here. <laughs> yeah. And we would do... And so, like, the new kids who were coming in some of whom got put on teams and some of whom were, like, you know, rejected by the programs, more or less. Or, like, didn't make a team. Mm-hmm. And, like, in Chicago, that's, like, do or die to a lot of people. Like, if you go through a program and you don't make a team, it's like, ah, it was the worst. They, you know, they like, they don't like me. And, I, you know, I'm funny. And so, but it, it really creates this kind of, like, edge of, like, well, if you really do love this, you'll go figure out your voice somewhere else and so right. a lot of that was happening in Chicago so Ferent popped up New Colony did like these after act shows that we were pitching mm-hmm. that I remember like um, it was almost like a like a not a talent show but it was like what are you working on like mm-hmm. what do you have like one yeah. of our friends tried stand up for the first time there and now he's like Insanely He's living in New York and, like, and has a career oh, doing stand up. But, like, yeah. because after and that was shows, Jerry Seinfeld. And that, that, was Jerry Seinfeld. that was Jerry mm-hmm. Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, good for him. He never calls me back. He never changed. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was just like this thing of 
we're all like these creative people and depending on what show is going on you might be working in an aspect you've never done like I did costuming for a show Mm -hmm. just because I was kind of interested in it and more so they needed someone so it was all these people being like well I really like to perform but for now I'm just the script supervisor Mm -hmm. so after the show we would tell the audiences like stick around we've got people doing stuff just weird experimental people would do music we would do improv people would do stand up or or sketch or premise based improv like we just come up oh here's this concept it's really stupid and we go improvise it and it like becomes a sketch Mm -hmm. and so like a lot of that was starting to happen and then you know places kind of popped up and fell by the wayside and ultimately this this guy um, got some buddies together and opened up a place in an art gallery called the upstairs gallery okay and that really became the hub for like three and a half years that really became the hub for like experimental work and it was like a huge home for the underground scene up there and everybody just kind of came to shows any show was possible there everybody Mm -hmm. did super weird stuff and it was this time where you were like most inspired by your friends yeah your friends were doing like you went to go see your friends shows because that was they were doing cool different stuff and it 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 infused you with a new energy made you want to do stuff because Sometimes you go to the bigger theaters and just being like, well, this is, you know, just another improv show and it's good and these guys are good at improv, but it doesn't really, it doesn't really do anything for me. My, my, my brain's yeah. not turned on. and mm-hmm. There's a thing that happens, yeah, and even the building itself putting that pressure on being like, well, this is a paying audience. Right. And everyone's like, so you better step it up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody just beats themselves up after the improv shows at the, at the bigger houses and be like... You step off stage. I, I played on four teams over there, and it never, it never changed for me. I did four different groups, and you would either step off stage after a good show, and you'd love it, or you step off stage after a bad show and be like, "We're never doing this again." Like this is the worst team, like the worst group of people. And so it was just such a, such a weird high and low. Yeah, and I have that yeah. kind of experience too. I'm one of the people in my company that's always saying. Well, we are making people pay to watch us do this, so we better take it seriously. Right. You know, and I, like, I'm lucky that I'm on a team where everyone agrees yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's just that sometimes I'll have conversations with somebody, and they're just kind of like, shrug, you know, like, ah, oh, you know, whatever, you know, just like, ah, oh, whatevs. Yeah. And I, I would, like, it would be a conversation with like, multiple <coughs> people, and I would say, we're making people pay to watch us do this, so I think maybe you should care a little bit more than yeah. that. Yeah. And I have no bones about that. I do agree with it. I don't want to take the fun out of this. Right. But at the same time, I think there's a certain responsibility that we have because, and I've said this previously uh, on another episode, but that we're asking people to spend their time with us. There's so many things that people can do. And I'm saying spend an hour with me and pay money to watch me right. do this yeah. I better take it seriously enough that I'm honoring your time and honoring the stage a little bit mm. but I definitely don't want to take the fun out of it right. um, there's something else you were saying there about being inspired by your friends that reminds me of that movie uh, Midnight in Paris mm. which spawned this big discussion uh, uh, amongst different groups uh, you'll hear somebody talk about this at some point they're talking about this movie if you could live in any era what era would you want to live and somebody was saying because of the inspiration of that movie uh, certain eras where art was sort of like such a big thing and like oh you could live when all these people were doing all these inspiring things but I kind of feel like now is as good as time a good a time as any time because you can still be so inspired by great work that's out there now and they, they're still your peers. Mm-hmm. I think that's just the whole... And the whole point of the movie is that the grass is greener and the other side is a myth. Yeah. And right. so if you're saying, oh, I want to go back to the French Revolution, you know, like whatever. Uh, not the French Revolution, but... Um, well, absolutely, because on a totally not comedy-related note, like, if we could only zoom out on the era we're living in... right people are going to look back on this era in time as, as like the information revolution like you think about how quickly the internet has yeah. has come in and impacted all of our lives and changed the entire world and the entire way we communicate it's like if you ever look back on another era and be like those were the golden days it's like we're living 
in a crazy time of like right. advancement and, yes. and human technology Completely and like agree. all this crazy. And sure, like science fiction tells us it's all going to go horribly wrong, but <laughs> that's another adventure that's that we get. To, yeah, yeah, you know that, that may not be how it really goes. Yeah, uh, you know it, it depends if um, Biff becomes president or not. That's a yeah. <laughs> which back it appears to be that he has. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, a question I want to ask you, as uh, performers, as you perform together, how did you find a sensibility that worked for yourself? I know we sort of touched on that with just the way your lives were, but on stage, the type of moves that you make, do you have certain principles that you follow, or is it still just so hard to pinpoint it because of how connected you are as people? We were just talking about this yesterday. Yeah, there's there's definite go-to moves. I've always had a hard time um, with references. Mm-hmm. Like, they can make my skin crawl so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, even in an improv scene, if somebody comes on, they're like, Hi, I'm Martha Stewart. I'm like, ah, why are you someone? Why are you someone who exists? It's like, that's such a cheap laugh to me. Oh, I see what you like, mean. Yeah, yeah. something... Like, I wasn't sure if you meant, like, references in, oh, am I gonna be able to reference no, like, this thing I've not seen? Or, or? Yeah, anything. Like, if we're mm-hmm. on we're on stage and, like, suddenly we're anything having to do with Harry Potter, I'm fucked. Because yeah, I don't I know anything mean, about yeah. it. And everyone's like, ha 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 ha. Oh, I don't like now that what? when people like, are like... I don't like that either when people say, like, oh, when they discover on stage that you don't know the thing that yeah. they just brought into the scene. Mm-hmm. So then they start playing with it as, like, hey, why don't you name that spell yeah. that right. we all know from yeah. Harry Potter like, and we know you don't. Yeah. I don't like that move because then that's, that's like, so the opposite of what... It's, yeah. Yeah, and then also, like, principally speaking, uh, it's... You're not making that person look good. You're yeah. making them look bad. <laughs> you know, you're, like, yes. deliberately making them look bad for a laugh. Yeah. And it's I, a cheap laugh. I think I avoid them because I don't want to put a timestamp on anything. Ooh, or I okay. want everyone to be able to Relate laugh to about it. it. Like yeah. If we if Henry and I listen to like uh, a National Lampoon record, like it's just silly for the sake of being silly right. and that stuff is still silly. It it could have been written yesterday. So we write yeah. stuff, it's like we might reference like cell phones or mm-hmm. something and it's it's definitely this decade but it's not like someone's gonna not be able to fully relate yeah, in to, three yeah. years be like huh? who's michael What's phelps <laughs> or like who, like i now i have to google something because right. i just listened to this thing <laughs> who was that socialite yeah right yeah that one time <laughs> thing of being like yeah that was hot for a minute mm-hmm. so i think we we one of the things that i definitely am aware of is um, trying to create more characters rather than do anything based on people who already exist. Yeah. How about you, Henry? I think at the core of everything that, that I like to write or kind of like where where we find the best material is like finding something that people do that is incredibly stupid, but they've never taken the time to <laughs> self-analyze it as stupid. Okay. So it's yeah. like uh, I'm trying to think of an example, or now but we've passed it as normal. But I get yeah. Like now we've it's chosen just, to to find it. So normal. I'll use this example. So the sort of like nervous laughter that we may encounter oh, with right. a stranger in line. Uh huh. It's like. Were you in line? <laughs> yes, I was in yeah. line. <laughs> and you, and you, why are you like, laughing? That's yeah, funny. The hell are you laughing? And then so it's like take that little thing, and then that <coughs> that is now the seed of like a sketch or something that we yeah. Do. And so, I see that in your in your own work. So just take yeah. something that everyone does all the time mm-hmm. that they never see it as weird. They just do it. And yeah. It's just it's 
that's I think that also harkens back to the philosophy of nameless numberhead. We're just mm-hmm. doing these things, beep boop boop. That's a very good way to break yeah. down uh, when one of the main things we were saying coming out of the show yeah. was beep boop boop. Yeah, yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that explains it. Yeah, <laughs> now you know. No, no, I I think what you're talking about. I remember uh, an example is that sketch where you are playing someone who's bumped into his mom's friend, mm-hmm. his mom's best yeah. friend from yep. college, who's talking to you, a 30-something-year-old, as if you're still that 5- or 10-year-old boy that right. they once right. knew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hilarious sketch, and that's something that everyone has experienced. Right. And it has a great pacing in it as well. So it's, it's taking something that people already... Hate probably themselves (laughs) (laughs) for the same reason that you're bringing. You know you do it, and you and you'll see it. Even if you see it within yourself, you know you're gonna do it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just just captures that frustration of trying to relate to someone that you haven't seen in 30 years, and but also being polite. It's like, oh come on. Gosh, that's 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 a very funny sketch because it is that thing. You know exactly as you described that thing. We all do it. We're all gonna experience it. We're gonna do it ourselves. (laughs) One day. That's that's where we relate to people the most with our material is like finding that thing that's like, oh my god, I do that. And I think that's what makes great stand-up and makes mm-hmm. makes great observational comedy that's is like thing, yeah. finding pinpointing those things that make people go. Mm-hmm. Well, it's relatable. Oh, that, that's something yeah. I, I do that. I know that. Yeah. We've, you know? we've dubbed it voyeurism of the mundane, which is like it's so everyday. It's uh-huh. so basic. It's like as soon as a stand-up starts talking about life on a private jet everyone's mm-hmm. like done I'm oh yeah done with i don't you. get it you're oh, well, it's kind of like, yeah yeah oh, I mean, isn't that, boo-hoo. that happens to like, a lot of rappers yeah, yeah like the rappers at first might be talking about like the tough life they were living yeah but then when they move to connecticut and have a huge mansion yeah. like an oprah-sized mansion and they're talking about like going to the club yeah. they're going to the club now right. is being super fancy they are yeah. royalty and the average person cannot relate to that. And that's mm-hmm. why, like, some of those artists fall off at that moment. Yeah. yeah. Once they've forgotten how to experience life the way the people who've been listening to them right. Uh, right. for a couple of hours, I mean, a couple of albums, it's they, they lose them once they've, yeah. they've lose that work. I mean, that's why hip-hop is, is better than rap. Right. <laughs> I'll say that here. No, that's, I'll I say agree. that now <laughs> and stand by that. I totally agree. <laughs> No, I, it's big, that's why, what is it, how many years after the previous Tribe Called Quest album? 20 years? Oh, my God. And then they come so out with an album that still good. sounds amazing, and it sounds like it could have come out two years after their album. Right. You know, like mm-hmm. it could have come out 18 years ago, but also sounds like it could have come out the month it came out. And at know? the same time is incredibly relevant. Unbelievably like, relevant. So and such unreal. a good album. Yeah. If it doesn't get Grammy nominations, then we'll know it's a sham. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's all a lie. And it's, and it's a sham. It's a sham. I think one of the things that, because uh, I try to perform with Justina, and when we're in a group, it's fine. We've tried to do a, uh, a two-person show, and um, it was a little bit harder to do, and I think a lot of times when we perform... Uh, there's offstage stuff that can get in the way of just like, oh, I don't want to upset them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or like, <laughs> I don't want to do something that uh, they don't think is funny or uh, or uh, not understand what he's doing and then like, you know, mess up his thing. It's That happens in improv in general of I'm going to be neutral because I don't want to mess up their thing. Yeah. But then you think about it as a couple performing, that is heightened so much. You know, it's like, so much more anxiety right. is involved in it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you all experienced that helped you get through that, or did you not really have a problem with that? It is a show-to-show struggle. So we both have very distinct strengths. Uh-huh. Henry came from a self-promotion kind of go-getting attitude from college. Like, he knows how to write press releases. He knows how to reach out to... Um, papers he knows how to photoshop posters he knows how to um write a blurb and like do that side of it on top of knowing how to write sketches that came out of just like not really having a program or not having any kind of structure in play like i i i'm very like envious of 
training that Mari got in college because she had Mission Improbable. She had this thing that she got to kind of get initiated into, and it was already a functioning thing that already happened. Mm-hmm. In Charleston, nothing like that has happened. There have probably been like 20 improv groups at the College of Charleston, and they live and die with the person who started them. Yeah. And it is all based on the initiative of a person. If they can rally, then they can do it. Like, even after college, like starting sketch groups, it was mm-hmm. very much just like you kind of just have to take it into your own hands and figure out how it how it happens. Yeah. So we are both very distinct outcomes of our, our training. You having to, like, forge ahead, and I was already in this thing that existed that was like, oh, well, it'll just get done. Like, we'll have an audience because somebody made a poster, <laughs> and all I had to do was, like, take a staple gun around campus. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so <laughs> fine with the manual labor side of things. Anything that takes a little bit of forethought or consideration or, like, brain power, I'm like, can I just... Can I just hang up the thing? Like, can you guys make it? Like, I... I would so much rather do that. Like, I've kind of taken on the props, mastering side of it. When we do the curtain, like, I'll, I'll put together the curtain, and then Henry on the other side is, like, the tech side. Uh-huh. So now we have this well-oiled thing of, like, we're coming in to set up. I'm... I'm setting up the staging. Henry's setting up the the computer part and the looping pedal and and all that thing. Mm-hmm. But as far as writing, I mean, it's it's still nerve wracking to like yeah. give your idea to someone because if he doesn't laugh, I'm gonna feel awful. Right. And a lot of the time, because we're so close, the same way you wouldn't laugh at your own idea or you're uh-huh. trying to like work something out, you're presented with a, a thing and you're just like, okay. Like you're trying to figure it out, and the other person's like, "You're not oh, no, laughing." You don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you figure it out. And, then, yeah, and so yeah, we're trying yeah. to figure it out, or I'll have a premise and be like, "Take this, Henry. It just <laughs> Henryfy it. You put your jokes." In. I'm like, "There's something here. It's not it maybe is, not my voice. I don't know what really I'm doing." That is really hard. Yeah, that is really hard to present your idea and then be able to do what you would do with someone you're not in a relationship with, right? right. Like if it's just your pal that's also in the company, if you say, like, here's an idea, uh, and they said no, then you wouldn't care, or if they gave you an idea, yeah. you're like, nah, yeah. then you, you both <laughs> yeah. would be fine. You'd be able to move on after yeah. that. But when it is, like, your your partner, <laughs> you know, your life partner, then it is a little bit of, uh, you know, hurt feelings can happen yeah. more. Well, it's funny. I'm th- as I'm thinking about it right now and kind of reflecting on it, it's, so, it's funny because it is, with Sketch, it is the exact opposite of improv because I feel like in improv you get into a rehearsal room that's when you're clicking you know it's at somebody's house yes, yes, or yes, there's yes, the, yes, 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 there's nobody around there's no audience you're just goofing off and uh-huh. you're, you're yourself and you're having fun you get to a show you have the audience and then you all climb up and be like okay we better not like you said it's kind of like polite uh-huh. like I better not mess up anybody's idea they'll play safe like you get into your head super hard uh-huh. and then with sketch it is or for us at least, it is entirely reversed where it's like the writing room is like super stressful where place. you're trying to be polite, you're trying to figure out how things work. You like like Mari said, you know, if you don't get the laugh from your audience of one, then it's like, oh, this idea is dead in the water. <laughs> All right, back to square one. Uh-huh. And then when we get all the pieces together, I mean, this just happened this week for the comedy festival because we wrote an entirely new show uh, this week and did the show last night. Wow. And by the time, it always happens. We get so stressed out writing it and putting it together. And by the time we put it on stage, we're having so much fun with it. And the audience is digging it that it's like, oh, well, why do we we go through all that? Why do we stress so hard? The entire week before and just rather show up. Just show up. It's so fun and and then it's worth it. But before, it's like somebody was asking, they're like, what's your, or somebody asked, like, what the process was. I was like, well, just get as mad as you possibly can at each other 45 minutes before the show. And make sure you make sure you really dig into the semantics. Yep. Make sure make sure when you're explaining yourself, you clap your little hands together like you're talking to a dog. <laughs> like speak sharply. Um, and make sure they feel two inches tall. <laughs> and then have a great show. That'll be fine. That's all you gotta do. And never film it, so it's almost like it didn't exist. Yes. <laughs> um, so treat each other like animals yep. is essentially yeah. how to do a good comedy. But we're lucky, yeah. like, 
I don't think that we have any agenda. It's not like one of us has a sense of humor that the other one is uncomfortable going with. I think we've all been yeah. in that room where someone's like, and then baby Hitler comes out, and, and you're like, like no, no, I never like, want to hear is, those words. Or like, they're like, yeah, and then the uh, abortion. It's like, yeah, why are we going like, why there? Are we there? Oh. Like, oh, shocking. There, yeah, there are some groups that, that can pull that off. It's very hard and it good for you if you can. incredibly hard, yeah. If you're I on the same page, if you're on the same page with it, maybe it works, but it's like if you're if you're trying to fit that into yeah just fit it in it's like it usually does not work yeah yeah i i'm with you so i there was a, a story you told henry this is an improv story that you once told uh you both are great performers on stage you have a great stage pres- presence and uh during your show i leaned over to justina and said uh, I want to do that with you sometime. Yeah. Like, like have have the connection that you two have on stage, but also doing just such a fun, playful, uh, and good show um, that you're doing together, and you seem to be on like the same page with each other. It's like super great to see. So I want to talk about stage presence and stage performance. And there was a story once you told Henry about being on stage with Scott Adsit. Oh and yeah, you said that he has the most confidence on stage as anyone you've ever played with or something to that effect yeah it was unreal Harrison was in that show Uh, it was like a jam at the end of a comedy festival here and it was just a very specific moment being on stage with him and it was one of those like you know starting a scene Mm -hmm. and I had come out first and he came on and we were just crouching and like came or eating something and clearly I had nothing I was just editing uh-huh. and he looked over with this like super confident look just like nodding and eating and it was silent for a long time I got a big laugh just because we were just eating there somebody ended up coming in and justifying the scene but it was like this moment of total fear for me I mean pretty young improviser at that point but he was just going with it he was like I don't care where this is going I'm just just here eating this thing like it was it was just amazing it was so it was was like that i don't know what i'm doing and then he came in and said i'll follow you into hell yeah (laughs) he's like like, whoa yeah how are you that confident i don't even i'm frightened i'm the one who started this yeah (laughs) it was great it was yeah it was just sort of like this let's go with this and we didn't speak a word he just like shot me a look like we're doing this Oh my gosh! I can't you know, even imagine like, having that kind of was unreal. presence of mind on stage, and that's one of the things I'm trying to just get better at. Of course, that just comes with time, mm-hmm. but uh, I think a lot of times people in general sort of avert their eyes. And I mm-hmm. like eye contact, but it can be real easy to not make eye contact in a scene, especially if I don't know what I'm doing. Right. Uh, where I'm going to look away from you because I'm just like, uh, I don't want to embarrass myself. And if they look in my eyes, then they'll know that I'm embarrassing myself. Right. You know, yeah. Something like that. What are your thoughts on how to just gain that stage confidence and, and presence? Uh, eye contact is super huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a TJ Jagodowski. He, that's his, he says everything in the scene starts with eye contact. Um, but the best kind of philosophy, and this is probably what I've adopted most in, in my improv, at least, and probably bring it into sketch a little bit, but was advice from Jed Eveleth, who um, was basically like, treat, treat not only like your scene partner, but the audience as like your your big brother. Like if you're the little brother, you're like trying to make them laugh. Like you're, you're trying to like, you want them on your side and even like your scene partner like you want to like have fun with them you're trying to like somehow gain gain their approval or permission yeah. to laugh like mm-hmm. i feel like improv a lot of times can be this rigid like well, am i establishing a character here am i you know am i agreeing to the world am i do you know am i doing am i doing my checklist right and it's like if you go in there with a sense of play and and fun and it'd be like i'm going to try to like, like mess with my scene partner. I want to try and make them laugh, or uh-huh. I want to try to just get on the level with them. Like, this is, 
we are playing. Yeah. This is pretend. Like, let's just have fun. Usually it just frees up all those checklist thoughts. Uh-huh. And you end up <laughs> being fine. Like, you end up establishing yeah. the things you need to establish because you you enter with a sense of play rather than a sense of thought. Okay. Um, and then, with, I guess, with a sketch, it's not much of because you already know what you're going to say and do. Right, but the, the same yeah. the same would apply because you right, exactly. don't think about the words. Right. Like that kind of harkens back to the theater company that we used to be a part of. We devised it through improvisation and sort of even going back to, like, complete work show. It's like, if even if it's scripted, like, the best way to communicate that script is by making it seem so playful mm-hmm. and, like, comfortable as if you're just making it up. Uh-huh. You know, so I think it translates to sketch as well. Right. Because it's like, we have this we have this concept, we have these yeah. words. We but know like, what we need to say. We could just make that eye contact but, and say, let's have fun. Right. Don't just yeah. say words. Like, mm-hmm. like, play with the words. Right, you know? yeah. Like, Think about a little yeah. deeper, yeah. Yeah. I love interacting with the audience, but I think our like my stronger entrance is anytime we play a character. I've got <laughs> that I've got that school school paper report shake. Like I go out if I'm holding anything, you'll see my hands going. No, yeah. I don't care how many people are in the audience. There's just something about taking that first step on stage that anytime we have to play ourselves and genuinely welcome an audience, I look like a fool that has never seen humans before. I don't think that. I don't. Man, I, it feels that way. So I appreciate <laughs> that I can hide it. But um, anytime we can just kind of start the show, either with like music or movement right. or any type of character, I am infinitely more comfortable for the rest of the show. Mm-hmm. Right. So that... Well, being your true self is like where you're most vulnerable. Yeah, I guess, but I'm like, fine doing that in the middle of the show. Like yeah. we've taken a break where we're like, we're gonna talk to you now. Like right. once we kind of already have that report. Like report. I like to look at at them uh-huh. and and reference people. I try to like point to people in scenes, like while he's talking, and uh-huh. like try and get them on board. Oh, that's funny. But if I, we, if I think I've seen you do that. If we're coming out <laughs> like fresh off the top, like that's my. That's my, like, scare zone. Yeah. <laughs> no, what it is. It's, like, as soon as, like, you put... It's not even putting stakes on it. Like, I always w- liked performing, but in school, if I knew I was being graded or judged or that, like, I was expected to, like, give information or someone was listening... It's suddenly more intense. It's, like, the voice starts going and the hands mm-hmm. start going. Yeah. But... I feel that too. I mean, if there's any kind of like responsibility or or thought that I'm gonna mess it up, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I've, also another like it, just to kind of bring it back to like the philosophy stance, like because teachers will say things to you over time that you just kind of keep in your mind. But another one that stands out to me really heavily, uh, Craig Euler had a awesome rant in one of our I/O classes where he's just like, he's like, it's pretend. You can't <laughs> pretend wrong. You're pretending. Don't go up. Oh, and then he does this thing. He's like, I can't, I'm pretending wrong. Like, I can't do it. I'm messing it up. <laughs> because he told this story like he was on a team with Jack McBrayer for a long time. Uh-huh. And he would never go out into scenes. He would never go out. He was on this Herald team. And he never did anything because he thought he was going to mess it up. And so he, that was like a big mantra for his class was just like, don't ever like not do something for fear of like kind of going back to the idea of like that polite sense of play of like I don't want to mess up anybody else's idea I told a team I coached the thing that that basically that same thing of like what everyone's always worried about uh, in in an improv scene is just not messing up yeah (laughs) and you can't mess up so don't worry about that part right (laughs) you know that's what's holding people back the most I think with performance is that they're concerned Mm -hmm. that they're going to mess something up yeah and I think that goes with if you're performing on a team or performing with your life partner, then there is that concern. It's like, I don't want to mess up. And there's all this anxiety tied up with that. Right. But you always come off stage, you never remember what you did. You always remember, like, the brilliant things someone else else did. did. No one ever is going to come off stage and be like, I did a really great job back there. It's always like, oh, so-and-so crushed it with that thing. That's true, yeah. That was a great thing. It's... As, as focused as you are on yourself... It's only the negatives. You're only, like, going to remember what other people did. Be like, that was so great. Yeah. You are going to say that, and then about yourself, you're only going to say, 
oh, I didn't do well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I was happy with my show tonight. Yeah. 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 But you, yeah, fine. you aren't. <laughs> You certain like other people are not looking at you and saying, "Oh, they screwed up here and there." Yeah. Most of the time, unless like the obvious mistakes are made or something like that. But the vast majority of people that we're performing with, they are not gonna look at us and say, "Oh, they just screwed that right. yeah. scene yeah. all up." They're just also saying, like if, if you're fun stuff. if you're a good improviser, you're gonna enjoy a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is more frustrating. And trying to improvise with somebody being polite and not making a choice. Like, it is yes and for a reason. Mm-hmm. Don't just yes. Please add information. Don't just come in there and be like, absolutely, that's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are doing this. Yes, of course. Yeah. It's like, come on, give me something. Give me something, like, yeah. This is- throw a wrench in the... I love it if it's like... If it is messing it up because Mm -hmm. then that's the new like journey you go yeah if you say crazy thing (laughs) right if you say okay now what or if you just say yeah 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 and then to repeat what the person said then you're basically telling that person you need to come up with all the information for this you're driving (laughs) right right and uh, i don't want to you know you shouldn't want to put that off on other people right i think fear can make me accidentally do that sometimes that's never my intention but yeah uh, I was in the jam last night, and I was just like, oh, I don't want to mess up. And that was, like, one of the only times I've really thought that going into a show. Well, yes, yeah. was last night doing the jam. Because it's, like, all these people I admired a ton, yeah. you know? So yeah. it's like, oh, I don't want to no, totally. I I make a fool out of myself here. I had an instance of that. I mean, I, I feel like any time people come in from, like, New York, like, we improvise with, with the UCB, Buzz Off Lucille, Ladies on uh, I love them. Thursday, <laughs> and I had that moment too. It's like oh, they're they're really good. Yeah, and it's like you get into a scene with it, and you just have fun. And the, it's yeah. like oh, that's great. Th- like, yeah, and I think um, with Molly, I would definitely Molly Gaby is the one that I really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, before before uh, I met the other like I'm the other people in Buzz Off Lucille I met last night. Cool. Molly, I knew. I've known for a little bit. And if I was going to be performing with her, yeah. I would be pretty nervous. Now, if you two, if it was like before this last time you were in Greenville, I would have been nervous for sure. <laughs> but now I feel like I'm comfortable enough with you as people <laughs> that on stage I'd be like, ah, oh, this is right. going to be fun. Yeah. Uh, so I would feel a little more like, oh, I'll be able to not. Like, I think that's also the nervousness myself. of the jam, right? Yeah. I mean, oh we came, I we came no in for, that, gonna be for the Greenville jam. <laughs> I have the wall on that guy. <laughs> yeah. There's also just so many personalities that you're Absolutely. like, I'm going to go out every time. If or- you don't meet, like, if you don't meet the people beforehand, or if it's a quick green room, like, hey, all right, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then it's like, I have no idea what you're all about. Like, we didn't meet. Okay, let's go up there and make shit up. It's like you you didn't really build any kind of right. yeah. human foundation. So exactly. we're going to go make this, like, we're going to go pretend and, and be silly. We're going to go be not ourselves. That's what, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, that's, I went in, I was just telling, uh, I was saying this uh, in the uh, Charleston episode that we were you know like for I, I knew for 24 hours that I was going to be performing and I spent that 24 hours saying oh, I hope I don't screw up it was like a wave of yeah. like sometimes it'd be kind of high like no no no, no. like it's going to just be fine you just do the basics you'll be fine mm-hmm. and then it went to like ooh but uh, oh, if I'm, what if I'm performing with or in front of Greg and Brandy oh, right. I'm going to screw up you know but uh, you know it was uh, it was a lot of fun that's awesome. awesome. It was a lot of fun. Well, when it comes to process, maybe that's where we can, because we're we are running at the end here, at the end of the episode. Ooh. So when it comes to process, maybe we could create an idea uh, that we could make a sketch out of. Like maybe it would yeah. be that thing that everybody does, mm-hmm. and uh, we can try to like break it down. We don't have to write a sketch, of course. Right. Just like mm-hmm. an idea, how, like our approach to it would what that would be. Yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something that's been on my mind lately. Mm-hmm. There was, oh gosh, there was something that was on my mind recently. And it was one of those things I should have written it down. I didn't. And mm-hmm. so now I'm not thinking. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is. It was something like, 
Oh, this is maybe too unrelatable, but you know, sometimes if you're like the second person in line, like you're the you're like once a person who's up front is getting checked out in line at a store or something, mm-hmm. or at the post office, if you're that second person, you're just waiting with anticipation, and so you keep thinking like. Oh, now it's my turn to go. Oh, it's not? Oh, okay, I'm still yeah. just standing here. Oh, someone else walked in here. Oh, let me walk yeah, over to the counter. Oh, yeah. no, they're just walking through. When they through. do the oh. fake out, like they go to their thing, <laughs> right. like the light doesn't go on, or they're just like, like we've all been on that side of the thing and being like, I'm going to walk up to my post and I've got uh-huh. this thing to do and they're going to like walk over. They think that I'm here to serve them. Right. That... Yeah, because now you're the leader. Like, you have the mentality of the whole line. Like, I'm supposed to go. Yeah, if I don't go, they're going to think that I'm holding up the line. (laughs) The place, the bank where I bank, um, it's a small company called Bank of America. Um, (laughs) When I go in there, there's always a line, like, huge line. And there's always, like, one person, one teller. Mm. And there's five, like, spots for tellers. And um, what will always happen without fail <laughs> is there will be someone at the door. Can I help you today? They have like a, a pad. Uh-huh. Hey, can I help you today? Yeah, I'm just looking to deposit money. Oh, okay, great. Well, then you're going to want to get in the line. Right. And they're standing there with yeah. a pad. I need you to get behind that. I need pad. you to get behind that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right like, why are you helping to check people in? Yeah. Like, I guess she's hoping people need to talk to a banker about opening up an account or getting a credit card or whatever it is. But she is standing there being the most unhelpful person, <laughs> telling people to get in line. Yeah, yeah. How is it As not, the line grows. How is that ratio bigger? Like, infinitely you're going to get more of your own patrons trying to bank rather than one person right. wandering in being like, hmm, I thought I'd check out your bank today. Right. Then, yeah. Like, let them wait in line and then tell you once I get there and you go, okay, yeah, go into one of those glass boxes with like, this dude. They've just really not measured their demand statistics. Yeah. <laughs> they're no. like in there. Maybe that's what their job is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it I always seems it. like somebody will like go back behind the counter to one of the teller stations and like take a call mm-hmm. and like put up the next attendant please yeah. sign and there's just one attendant. Well, we just had some friends come in, Jason Underwood, Miley White, Justina Sparling. I don't know if you are familiar with her oh, listeners. Um, <laughs> previous episodes. Uh, but another idea I had that we could uh, cr- maybe create something on, a sketch idea on. Uh, as I was walking over here, I saw a couple, a very like sweet couple, like having a moment, like a real like not like anything lascivious or anything like that but they were just like in the moment having like a kissy face moment and my initial reaction in the rain no it wasn't <laughs> raining when i was walking over <laughs> very cinematic but that would have been a very yeah. john cusack movie thing to do <laughs> it was but uh it was not in the rain at the moment but uh they were, they were just having a real kissy face moment and my initial reaction was to make a joke be like oh nobody needs to see that but it's like that's exactly how Justine and I are, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Um, why was my initial reaction to be like, oh, come on, guys? And then, of course, I was like, nah, that's actually very yeah, lovely. Everything <laughs> sucks when you're not doing it. Right. Like, if you're biking, cars suck. Yeah. If you're driving, restaurants are people, the fucking yeah, worst. Yeah, yeah. People on bikes are yeah. like, get out of yeah. here, bike. If yeah. you're sitting at a restaurant and the table next to you gets food, well, I don't need food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's everything that you don't have, you're like, ah. Mm-hmm. You see, like, somebody it's walking a, their dog and they're like, you know, pooping on the sidewalk. You're like, oh, why can't I? I can't, why do they do that? Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I want to poop. Yeah. For, yeah. A sketch, <laughs> for a sketch, I would just see a guy walking down the street, just like seeing everything and be like, oh, get a room. <laughs> like, oh, get a leash for that dog. Get a oh. bathroom, dog. Yeah. Get a bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, what kind of room? Get a uh, homeless dude. Get a dining room. He's <laughs> <laughs> eating on the sidewalk. Just like yeah. <laughs> or you see a guy get a playing. <laughs> see a guy uh, uh, playing the fiddle yeah. like oh, get a theater yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> get a, yeah. Or just, yeah get a Carnegie Hall yeah. something yeah. like get an orchestra yeah what else would somebody be doing on the street 
yeah, or yeah, someone's running. Get a treadmill. Like, get off my side. How is get this guy gym. just being get so? Yeah. <laughs> get a track of your own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or if someone's driving, then it's like, uh, get a video game. Yeah. Get Simulator. A, yeah. That's get a terrible one. That's a terrible one. <laughs> uh, get a bike. <laughs> Drives my bike. Uh, get a car. <laughs> Like, so indecisive. He just wants everyone to not be doing what they're doing. How do you end that? I almost feel like you would stumble upon uh, a like a woman, a woman breastfeeding in public and be like, now that's something I can support. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or give a thumbs yeah. up. Or enjoy, you look at the baby and you go, get a restaurant. Let's see. Or, yeah, or he just falls into an open grave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, that's a better end. And the end. tombstone just says, get a life. Yeah, wow. That's the better oh, end. There it is. I was going to say something much worse than that. <laughs> Thanks so much for being here, Henry and Mari. Thank you. That was, uh, for having us. This is awesome. that was super fun. This was. Those are two awesome people. I hope you enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. I know I sure did. It was really great to hang out with them and see them again. And I hope that that is not few and far between that I get to do that. Well, if you want to know more about them, you can go to their website for Nameless Numberhead, numberheadcomedy.com. There's info about shows on there. But why don't you check out their YouTube page, Nameless Numberhead. So just go to YouTube, type that up, you'll find them. They're not a whole lot of groups called Nameless Numberhead. They are really great. You're going to really enjoy their stuff. If you want to find out more about this podcast, you can go to thereitispod.com. You can also go to Twitter and Facebook and follow and like us at thereitispod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Jason Far Jokes. Well, next week's episode is with another improviser and instructor, and she's fantastic. She's from Raleigh, North Carolina, and her name is Jairus Donovan. She's in Raleigh now, but she was in Chicago and L.A. at one point. You'll hear all about it next week. She is great, and you will love it. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.